travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 83, Traveling Responsibly in Asia with Shannon Stowell. International travel, once only accessible by society's most upwardly mobile, has opened up to hundreds of millions of travelers in recent decades. Growing economies, budget airlines, and easing of visa restrictions are some of the main drivers. But with increased numbers comes an urgent need to educate travelers about how we travel to ensure we don't permanently damage the very places we're exploring to ensure there's still a world to travel in the coming decades. On this episode, we chat with an expert, Shannon Stowell, about the subject and focus on how we can travel responsibly. From Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott Coates, and with me as always is my trusty co-host. Hey, Trevor Ranges, coming at you from my kitchen. Your kitchen? Where's your kitchen? In Phnom Penh. Yeah. I I have like a bar in my kitchen here. Yeah. Very cool. I look forward to a little workstation. You have the stand up you have the stand up desk in your office. This is kind of my at home stand up desk. Very good, very good. Well, uh, excited about this and I think without having planned to do so, in the last year we've talked about a lot of kind of environmental travel episodes we had episode 66 which was animal tourism in asia 76 which was travel light and responsible 77 over tourism and 79 reusable water bottles and here we are um talking traveling responsibly with kind of a focus on adventure travel and this wasn't planned at all but obviously there's something going on that's kind of piquing our interest on this yeah, you know, the theme has certainly come up a lot. And uh, adventure travel as well. We've done a number of things on, on adventurous mm. travel topics yeah. um, in addition to the responsible one. So I think this is a good fit for us right now. And I don't think there was any sort of plan for, you know, having this kind of responsible bent, except for the fact that, uh, I mean, for myself, it's something that I've always been really passionate about, um, whether it was just environmental concerns in general, um, from, you know, just wanting to care for, my home country or my home state or city or, or, you know, now it's the whole earth. Yeah. That we have to be responsible for. And, uh, you know, as, even though we've lived in Asia here and there over the past couple decades, um, and they've become our home, um, you know, just as, as a tourist and a traveler, uh, I think it's also important that you be responsible when you're on vacation as well. Yeah. My dad always taught me leave a campsite better than you found it. Right. And I think, when you travel, you should always try and behave and be a little better than you'd be in your own country. And then, you know, when I've traveled in the last, I'd say, five, eight years, especially places like the Grand Palace in Bangkok and Angkor Wat and Kyoto, the number of crowds and people. And then I just think about, like, how do the system support all that? And maybe you'll be out in a mountain scene and you see a lot more garbage around beaches and plastic and stuff. And I really think is not only travelers, but as humans, like if we don't make some dramatic steps in the next five to 10 years, many of the places that we're dreaming to go and celebrating and showing people pictures of, they're they're just going to be destroyed, right? Yeah, we're going to have to go on VR 
you know, virtual reality uh, <laughs> holidays to see what things used to be like, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, there's a lot of initiatives that are trying to make responsible tourism much more easy. Um, also, just trying to do things for the benefit of the community. I was out at the Cardamom Tented Camp, which you didn't mention, but that uh, they fall in the responsible travel Umbrella. That's in southwestern well. Cambodia, right? Yeah, we did an episode about tented camps a couple right. episodes ago. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, but that's all designed there just to protect that environment and the wildlife that lives out there. Um, so it's great that there's all sorts of different initiatives, including the the one our guest is going to tell us about that he's involved in, that are you know making it easier for travelers to to be responsible when they're going abroad and to actually uh, leave the campsite better than when they found it, like your dad suggests. Yeah, well, let's bring him in. Our guest is Shannon Stowell, CEO of the U.S.-based Adventure Travel Trade Association, ATA, which he restarted in 2004. He's spent a lifetime working in travel in one form or another, including authoring a book published by National Geographic and has been widely published in travel magazines around the world. In addition, he's currently on the boards of the Corporate Advisory Council of the U.S. Wildlife Trafficking Alliance and the Adventure Travel Conservation Fund. He has made 2018 TED Talk, Change the World, Take a Vacation, caught our attention, and he joins us by Skype from Seattle. Hi there, Shannon. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Thanks so much for uh, making time to connect. We've got a 14 hour time difference, I believe. But um, we always just like to start with the simple stuff, Shannon. So could you just tell us a bit about your background in tourism prior to restarting ADA? Sure. So really, the, the, the beginning for me was in the, in the uh, late 90s when I was working for an environmental chemistry lab and had the opportunity to actually do some projects overseas and the mm -hmm. first ones were in Asia. So I ended up spending a lot of time traveling around Asia with the okay. intent of building up this environmental testing business. And, and so that's really where travel sort of kicked off for me. I then left that company and worked as a e-commerce startup. We were selling outdoor gear like uh, you might see at a, at a a retail store here in the United States, and that really got me into the, the experience side of the business. Uh, it was then that we, we actually joined the ATTA as members when I was with the Outdoor okay. Gear Company. All right, I was curious why you, Scott had mentioned restarting it. So did it go dormant at some point, and then because of your involvement early on, you thought it was a worthwhile organization to, to kick off again? Yes, it started in the 90s, and we, we joined from our gear company in 2002 and it became pretty apparent to me that there was a lot of missed opportunity an opportunity to really take this thing a to an, to another level and so yes it was pretty dormant at that point there weren't a whole lot of activities going on there was no annual event there were no real membership benefits and so in 2004 I took took it over and we put the 100 remaining members on a free program for a year while we tried to figure out how to make this thing run. Hmm. And how many members do you have now? We're closing in on 1,400, and those are companies, media companies, um, adventure travel companies, governmental organizations, typically tourism boards or CVBs. And so the, the number of people that access the, the network 
for for members is somewhere around five thousand five hundred, but those those people go into those fourteen hundred organizations. Okay, so just before we get into the traveling responsibly, what exactly does ATTA do, Shannon? Well, we serve as a as a nerve network really for the adventure travel industry globally. So okay. we put on events to get the industry together in person. We do consulting for destinations to help them figure out how to crack the adventure travel nut. We do research, education, training. We serve as a platform for a number of different groups um, that are that are focused on social and environmental issues as well. Wow, so that's kind of a broad mandate, I guess, uh, because we were wondering, it's quite a broad topic, I guess, but how do you define adventure travel? Sure, that's a great question, because adventure travel, if you have 100 people in a room and ask that question, you'll get 100 different definitions. Um, so we did some, hmm. some deep studying with consumers, with travelers, to understand better how do they view adventure travel with all these varied, um, varied definitions applied to it. And what we came up with is that there are three real pillars that define the adventure travel industry, and those have to do with nature, culture, and activity. So within those, there can be some real ranges. So what's extreme for a 20-year-old ice climber um, you know, is very different than a retiree who's looking to experience a, perhaps a more cultural twist on an, ad- on an adventure trip. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously from the name of our podcast, we kind of focus particularly on Asia. And I'm wondering, is, is adventure travel a growing travel segment in Asia? For sure. We, we, we do some studies on the, the growth of adventure travel globally, and then we have some uh, third-party studies about Asia. I don't have a specific number for you, but I can tell you adventure travel is growing at roughly uh, triple the industry average globally. Um, so my gut hmm. is that within Asia, it's probably even a little faster than that because there is a, a little bit of catching up. And then there's also a lot of, uh, and when I say catching up, I mean with the outbound market of uh, Asians doing adventure travel in Asia. Um, so okay. there, there is significant growth in the adventure industry. And is that a good thing? Well, that's a great question. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> yes and no. Um, obviously one of the, the issues that's being discussed most, uh, around this time period in the travel industry is, is over tourism. And I think that more and more, we're going to have to take a really hard look at how much is enough, how much is too much. Um, because there are a lot of destinations that Asia included, and I've seen specifically some reports about Angkor Wat that it can be a situation where it's just completely overwhelmed by tourists. So in that case, I would say it's not good and it needs to be managed more more closely. Yeah, in my mind, I was thinking mm-hmm. like Mount Everest is a prime example of, of that kind of problem because that's very adventurous and it's something that has become increasingly popular and has uh, some environmental downsides. Yeah, there's been a lot of criticism specifically of, of Everest because of that exact issue and and in many cases, some operators who don't carry their gear out or carry their waste out, um, making it somewhat of an unpleasant experience for people who go there. So, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely issues there. On the other hand, when I hear the voices that say, 
you know, you shouldn't travel, you should stay home. I respect that mission, and I think people who feel strongly about it should do that. The reality is that most people are not going to listen to that advice and are going to travel wherever they want. So I think management and responsible tour operation is really important. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the next couple of questions I think I can combine. Since we talked about some of the detrimental effects, uh, what are some of the benefits maybe from adventure travel and uh, maybe as an example somewhere that you think they have a good adventure travel program in Asia? Well, I, I am clearly an, an advocate for adventure travel, and adventure travel done right is an incredible tool for economic development, for peace, for protection of wildlife and nature if it's done right. So as opposed to most situations where tourists are aiming at gateway cities or iconic destinations within a, a country or, or province or state, um, Adventure travel tends, in most cases, to spread people out into smaller groups, into more rural areas. And really, this is where the, the data does get really exciting. You know, mass tourism, in many cases, may only leave 10 to 15 to 20 percent of the spend by the, by the traveler in the destination. Most of it is funneling back through corporations back to other headquarters around the world. So as opposed to adventure travel, we're finding that roughly 65% of what the traveler spends stays. And it makes sense, right? Because they're yeah. going with local guides, they're staying in, in local hotels instead of the big international chains. They're, they tend to be more adventurous in their eating, so they're trying local restaurants instead of international chains. So it makes a lot of sense that economic benefit for uh, destinations is really strong with adventure travel. Yeah, I agree. Again, we're using Cambodia as an example because I'm, I'm in Cambodia. There's a lot of uh, undeveloped areas of Cambodia that have a lot of adventure travel opportunities that are just starting to open up. And that does bring uh, positive development and the protection of, of areas that uh, have wildlife or, you know, indigenous guides and whatnot. So that, that's good yes, to it, hear that it's a bigger phenomenon. It can. It can have a positive effect. And I was going to say, I, you know, I mentioned the economic benefit, but I think it's important also to know that if it's being managed well by good tour operators and good actors in the, in the region, then it is a tool for protecting wildlife. So my, my friend Amit, who runs Encounters Asia, says eyes on the tiger mean the tiger is safe. So you, you close off an area of a jungle, for example, to tourists, and nobody's watching. And it means that the poachers have no eyes on them, or fewer eyes on them. So I think this is one of the important things to note, as if, as, you know, assuming, of course, that it's being managed responsibly, then those tourists are actually acting as, as guardians of sensitive places. Well, Shannon, kind of related to that and on that note is, I mean, what are some of the most pressing issues in the adventure travel space kind of specifically in Asia? Well, I think they're probably not terribly different than a lot of other places in the world with, with their own twists, of course. I, I think, honestly, over-tourism is probably the most pressing issue right now. And, and I think also safety okay. training 
quality training. These are such important issues because you really want guides who, you know, as we all know, have the power to either make or break a trip. You want those guides to be safe with their customers, to take customers on adventures that are safe and managed, sustainable. You want good interpretation. Um, guiding is a very hard job. And so I think training and education would also be very high on the list of, of pressing priorities. Okay. So from a, a traveler's perspective, uh, what should travelers consider or be conscious of to try and identify these groups or organizations? I mean, I guess they could look for the ATTA symbol, but I don't know that uh, people can screen uh, you know, some adventure products that easily, can they? Well, like I, like I mentioned in my, in my TED Talk about tourism, I think there are three really important questions a traveler can ask a, co a company that they want to work with or tra travel with, rather. Um, and this can also be asked of eco-lodges or eco-resorts or resorts. And that is, what sorts of investments are you, as a company, making to protect environment? And so that's different than asking the question of, are you responsible? Are you environmental? That's too easy to answer with a yes. And what I would suggest is that the customer asks, what are you doing? What, what investments are you doing? The other question is, what efforts do you make to work, to work with local people? And if the lodge is owned by someone local, that's a really easy answer. That's, well, I, I'm a local and I own this company. Um, if it is a bigger hotel, you may, it may be important to know, you know, what percentage of your staff are from the area? And then the last question you can ask as a traveler is, what sorts of training do you have? And if the answers to all these three are fuzzy or not clear or uncomfortable, then this is probably not a company that is making effort to be responsible. So culture, nature, and training. That's what I, that's what I would dive in on. Cool. Those are three pretty straightforward questions. So, um, Shannon, what are some of the most common mistakes that adventure travelers make that, you know, may make a, a, a negatively impact the areas and the communities they visit? Well, I think that um, I think this is where I, I'm an advocate for having local guides involved in your experience. If you mm -hmm. are and then doing the research in advance to really know who you're going to be working with, um, because if you just take a group of people and tromp into a really sensitive environment, a cultural environment, you might be really harming that, that basically harming that culture. For example, um, many well-intentioned people take, take things like toothbrushes and toothpaste into a community and just give those out and, you know, feel better about what they're doing and the reality is unless that community has the ability to replace those toothbrushes and tooth toothpaste in the future, it was really not that helpful and it may have caused things like jealousy and uh, if for the person who got two tubes of toothpaste and can di really disrupt a, a culture. So I think it's important to be working with a, a tour operator, with a good company that has a history, that has worked with the local people, who understands what their needs are and what they want to get out of tourism and have some sort of arrangement so that the locals are, are benefiting instead of just being exploited. 
Yeah, that's all, again, really just good common sense, but it's something that maybe people don't take the time to think about, you know, like you're going to have a better experience yourself and you're going to, you know, possibly cause a benefit to the community or the environment that you go and visit. It's worth some time to do a little homework beforehand. Yeah, you know, I think the other mistake people will make is going with the cheapest option possible. And that that can often mean really cut corners. And that usually the corners are cut on things like safety, quality of experience, of um, local benefit. So I wouldn't always go with the cheapest option. I think that is a mistake to just automatically assume that you're, you know, you're the most, um, uh, you, you know, you're the most adventurous of the travelers mm. by, by avoiding spending any money. Um, I, I think it's, it's not actually that great of a plan for most people. Obviously, if you're a climber and you're just trying to get into the back company, country to do your climbing, it's a different, mm. different story. Yeah, you know, you make a good point and, and you, you get what you pay for, right? Like you generally wouldn't buy the least expensive of, of anything that is surrounded by safety. And then I also think like on a responsible factor, like do you really want to be paying your guides and everybody that's going to be hosting you on the elements of your trip as little right. as you possibly could? Like it's not really a good, uh, you know, mandate to be traveling with, right? Yeah, I think a, a bargain in these scenarios often means you're putting yourself at some sort of risk. I mean, you're a, a real expert on this, and, and without asking you favorites, I mean, what are some of the most promising Asian destinations for adventure travel in, say, the next five to ten years, and why? Well, that's that's a great question. We we kind of voted on that through our uh, through an action that we are taking this year, and we're launching a conference for adventure travel professionals in India. And it's our first foray into, into Asia um, in the broader sense of putting a conference um, on the ground. So really looking forward to that and, and finding that there are some really interesting places in India still that are really not on the adventure traveler's map, at least for the rest of the world. Hmm. I think obviously China is is continues to open up and become more and more engaged with the rest of the travel industry. I think that there are some interesting things happening in um, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Vietnam. Really, there's a lot of, a lot of specialization of trip types. I've, I've been watching this customization happening. So if you can dream about it, it probably exists. So if you're a foodie that wants to do biking in Vietnam, it there's probably a product for that, uh, probably a trip for that. You know, you want to go to remote villages in, in northern Thailand, the product or the travel exists. So I, I think that probably that's the most interesting thing is just the pl- proliferation of types of trips. Yeah, it's certainly true. I mean, both of us having worked in the, the tourism business here, um, it seems like there is no end to the ideas that, that people can come up with. I even heard about sky bicycle. I think there's a sky bicycling thing here in Cambodia. And I don't know if you know what that is or with people listening. I mean, I don't know if that's even adventure travel. That just sounds crazy. Like, I think that someone should definitely be doing their safety checks on that. But it's kind of like a tightrope that you ride a bicycle on that doesn't have tires. It's just a wheel. <laughs> yeah. Sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a circus stunt. Interesting, I have not heard of it before. Yeah. but we get surprised all the time. Tell us about one of your most memorable Asian travel experiences. 
Well, I think probably probably one of the first ones I would I would recall is we went to Nepal about six months after the big earthquake as part of a recovery tourism recovery group and I had not been to Nepal before and so it was a first experience for me and, and I had all these preconceptions about how the country was in disarray because of the earthquake and certainly parts of it were and there were parts that were you know completely devastated but on balance for the the two groups that went around different regions of Nepal people were just so incredibly warm and friendly and helpful and so we we had two groups one went on into the Annapurna region the other went into the Everest region and I would say that was really one of the most meaningful trips that I've, I've taken in recent years also in Bhutan um, a few years back went and did a a trip across most of the country and and just again was completely blown away it, it made me feel a little childlike again to be in a place that was so untouched and really magical in many ways and and I could go on and on uh, about places in Asia but those are a couple that that popped to mind yeah, I bet you've had quite a few cool. really interesting experiences. So we're also in the business of helping our listeners get those types of experiences. So how can people learn more about how to adventure travel responsibly? Well, I think definitely going online, doing the doing the research is is very important. And I think you know the the depth of information out there now is is huge, and looking for things like responsible travel and adventure travel, you're going to get more more information that, than you can manage. My encouragement would just be to, to laser in on that and figure out, you know, who you want to travel with and then ask those questions of their investments in, in nature and involvement with the local people. And that, that will be, that will be a really interesting conversation. You'll learn a lot through that, through that process. Great, and we'll have uh, links to the ATTA website uh, on the show notes, uh, your Twitter feed, things like that. Thanks so much uh, for making time for us, Shannon. Uh, really interesting stuff. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Shannon. Take care. So I think, like we mentioned in the introduction, Scott, uh, Shannon was a really good guest to kind of bring together a lot of these different themes that we've been discussing on the show in, in recent months about traveling responsibly and, you know, the reusable water bottles, um, the cardamom tented camp, uh, which protects the, the environment in southwestern Cambodia. Just the fact that there's lots of new experiences that people can go and do while they're traveling that, that are... I mean, you know, not necessarily beneficial to the community, which they can be, or the environment, but at least not detrimental. Yeah, he had some uh, neat things to share. Obviously, I mean, he's the he's the CEO and the leader of ATTA, so he knows his stuff. He attends tons of conferences around the world. I'd like to have him back uh, some other time to talk about some other aspect. But, you know, I really think that adventure travel, in, in my early days of running a travel company, we were much more adventure travel focused. And when I think how we did things and, and our conversation with Shannon is, it is one of the ways to travel that really does benefit the most, right? And because generally, 
you have a, mm. a kind of traveler that loves the outdoors. That's why they're traveling. They tend to go to more remote places with less people. I know when we were running trips, we were partnering with like small little bike shops. So they were getting direct revenue, the small hotels, as Shannon mentioned. So in that sense, to me, I, I, like we've talked about straws and refillable bottles and over tourism and all that stuff is very, very important. But I always took great pride in my tourism days, again, that we channeled a lot of revenue to people, right, and provided incomes and jobs for people, and and that is responsible travel. So I think really adventure travel plays a real, real big role in the the overarching kind of responsible travel um, arena. Yeah, and you know, like Shannon made a good point about doing your homework. Uh, but on the flip side, I'd like to, you know, maybe give a shout out to Anthony mm. Bourdain who passed recently and just like you can do, you can do your own adventure travel solo just by getting off the beaten path a little bit and, you know, going exploring someplace that's a little bit off the radar and just like rubbing elbows with local people and, uh, you know, going and staying at like a mom and pop guest house or something uh, and, and just try and, you know, get off the beaten path and, yeah, yeah. Experience the culture and the people. You know, that's that's a very good shout out. He's yeah, one of my favorite travelers. I've, I mean, I've read a few of his books and watched a show, and I mean, super sad to see him go. And you know, one of the great things was he would travel to places like that people don't immediately know, and he would always eat at those small little places. So it, you know, it just takes a little effort to get off the beaten track. And uh, may you rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. But uh, I love adventure travel. I know you love it. Uh, Shannon was a great guest. And yeah, we'll, we'll touch on this subject again. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, I mean, we do it out of our own pockets and we'd love a little financial love. So if you can go to patreon.com, Go, and then uh, search Talk Travel Asia. You can sponsor the show for as little as a dollar a month. We would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. It's like 50 cents an episode. And uh, I think the best way for people to do it is mm-hmm. just go to the go to the website, yep. talktravelasia.com. And we also have really good show notes. You'll find links to uh, the other episodes we mentioned. We'll have links to Shannon's uh, association and uh, other different ways that uh, you can find out more about adventure travel and responsible travel show notes are a great place for useful information for you know planning a trip and there's a donate button right there that uh, you can use Mm -hmm. if you want to help support the show so thanks for listening everybody uh thanks for joining me again scott yeah over and out and we'll see you all in two weeks Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia?